You have a vision for your business. Your priority might be to expand facilities or bring in the best talent. At Century Insurance, we listen, learn, and work to understand your business and your plans to help protect your new locations. As your business evolves and your vision comes true, Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages are underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details. Welcome to a new edition of Really Another Podcast. I'm John. I'm Tim. And today we will discuss the legacy that is Bond. James Bond. <laughs> yes, I know. Cheesy as fuck, but I will. So go ahead. Start us off. What you know about Mr. Bond. And Walter PPK, the most famous gun in the um, series, which makes me wonder what gun would he use today? That's a good question. And of course, the infamous vodka martini shaken, not stirred. <laughs> which, a great intro to alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine how many vodka martini sales came after Sean Connery. That's an equally good question. <laughs> <laughs> or bow ties. How many bow ties <laughs> got sold after uh, Sean Connery? I say the suit game was already going strong in the mafia days, so all it did was just keep on increasing sales. Well, here's my take on James Bond. I haven't watched all the movies, but here's the thing. I think it's one of the premier uh, suave action-adventure characters in cinema. It's, um, it's, it kind of straddles between drama, action, and a little bit of comedy to some degree. Yeah, space and spurts. You can see that the movies, uh, the they're kind of they're kind of built on I guess maybe uh, maybe it's the early one earliest ones they're kind of built on a bit of the, the camp when it comes to the idea of, of the spy game or the the, mm-hmm. the, the quintessential spy and uh, but that's also to a degree but it's not so much that you don't like it but it's enough that you actually kind of enjoy it it is what gives it that that air of sophistication to a degree that that makes it different from 
guess, other spy, spy novels, spy um, movies. Mm-hmm. The first movie I saw, um, James Bond movie, was Octopussy and with Roger Moore. And I thought it was fantastic. Of course, I was very young at the time. I mean, you watch it now and you can see what I was just you know, talking about. Right. But, uh, but at the same time, it was, uh, you know, there's really not a really a bad James Bond movie, I don't think. Uh, they all have, even some of the ones that some people would probably look down on, like probably the time when um, Timothy Dalton was playing the role, they'd see that as sort of like a kind of a lull in the series. Mm-hmm. But I think if you go back and watch them, you'll probably see that they actually aren't that bad. And there's a lot of action sequences in that movie was that was kind of updated for the times. Bond went from being sort of more of the the gentleman spy to being more closely resembled to the spy you would see at the end of the Cold War um, phase in the United States and in Europe, where the spy was a little more probably stronger, a little more um, showed a little more depth in their their skill mm-hmm. in the spy game, uh, weapons, tactics for fighting. Uh, I guess you say intelligence with, you know, trying to stay one step ahead of the the adversary. And I go um, when I was watching um, getting caught up last night. I went back and um, I was thinking about what, going back and watching Casino Royale, and I was like, there's something different about this movie. I completely forgot that that Casino Royale was actually a remake. Because David David Niven or Nevine, I can't remember. He was the original Bond for that movie, and they had him redo it with Daniel Craig, which I thought was kind of odd. Because I think that if they were right, isn't that the first remake they did of it? It is. Um, I don't think the movie was named Casino Royale. It was one of the first books that was that was published. I think by um, was it by. Uh, by Broccoli. Um, shoot, I can't remember the name of the, the author of the books now. Let's see. That's it. says movie came out in 1967. Okay. Directed by John Houston. Well, actually, there's like five directors for this one, actually. Well, I mean, if we're going to jump to the Daniel Craig's part of the series, uh, I meet... I think that that's the series that was probably built along the idea of definitely the modern spy, where the mm-hmm. spy is more tactical, uh, has better fighting skills, better intelligence skills, and uh, was it's definitely a, a much more <clears throat> modern version of Bond, but juxtaposition with the idea that it was kind of like that series of movies is kind of reshaping the series to a degree. It's like mm-hmm. it's it's like it, they're it's almost like a remake or a reboot of Bond with with Daniel Craig yeah. series. So because the last movie that came out, um, or not the last one, because we know Skyfall was the one where it kind of kind of gives you a, a dive a deep dive into his history with his family and things like that. So it kind of mm-hmm. like tries to bring you back into where the name Bond comes from and where the family comes from and, you know and kind of his, his origins to a degree so it yeah. kind of starts to 
give you sort of a more well-rounded world of, of James Bond that's not really connected to uh, the movies that 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 came before with uh, Roger Moore and Timothy Dalton and and uh, and especially with of course um, Sean Connery whereas each movie was not really what you would call a series where they were just like this is a James Bond movie this is a James Bond movie yeah they were all their own there was some connective tissue between them but it was more like kind of like a, like like the comics it's like a comic book comes out and then another one comes out and it has the same characters but different stories but they're not really necessarily connected until you get later into the series of the, uh, and the, the mythos of the comics where they start to have that connective tissue of storylines that, that fall together but the earlier ones are more like just here's another movie with the same you know same character James Bond whereas the later movies start to become more like your typical modern cinema of okay these are actually kind of like sequels the storylines kind of flow into each other I say out of all the I haven't seen every single one of them but I do know that I am Partially, partially biased towards towards Pierce Brosnan. I get a lot of heat for that because everybody's, you know, Sean Connery. There's the door. <laughs> okay, so the, yeah, the novelist was Ian Fleming. Um, I have to read. I have to make sure I throw that back in there. Barkley was the one who was helping to create, produce the series, the mm-hmm. series, but it was Albert Barkley. But Ian Fleming is the actual novelist. <clears throat> I think the only I think the main reason why I like Pierce the most is just because everything felt very balanced in the movie. It wasn't too cocky, it wasn't too serious, but it still had that suave and class that you expect Bond to have. With who now? Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah. Sean Connery was more of the felt need more of the business side with a bit of class, and Daniel Craig. He is almost 100% all serious, and that's the only reason why I haven't been able to get behind him. And when I was watching um, when I was watching Skyfall last night, I saw they he did one thing that I that I just I remember um Q talking about in the GoldenEye movie. And he tells he tells Bond he goes I've always tried to teach you two things. One, never let them see you bleed. And Daniel Craig gets shot on the train. <laughs> He's bleeding all over the damn place. Yeah. I'm like, Q is so pissed right now. <laughs> and of course, he goes in the second. He goes, always have an escape plan. <laughs> yes. Well, I think what the the Daniel Craig series, um, I think the reason why it's it, it's different from the other Bond movies is like you have other spy movies or movies like The Matrix. You have movies like The Matrix, you have movies like uh, The Bourne Identity series, where it's more, you know, fast action, act with the, the fight scenes, it goes from scene to scene, just chews up from scene to scene, and the Bond movies had to, I guess, they had to kind of update themselves, kind of had to get to that, that level of action to keep the audience, mm-hmm. especially a younger audience who was being introduced to the character of James Bond to keep them more interested and be more along with what modern action movies portray these days. Um, but it's no different than any other series. You're going to see a different Superman from the 70s versus yeah. Man of Steel now. You're going to see a different Batman from the 60s and, and late 80, in 89 than you're going to see Batman now that, you know, the current 
Um, well, the current one would be Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, we haven't seen the other one, the, the newest Batman movie come out because it seems like there's always an issue with that guy. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's going to change with his times. You can have different... Yeah, the character's always going to evolve due to culture. Absolutely. Um, but... But if you could go back and watch. I think you could go back and watch those movies and still enjoy them for what they are. It's not like you can go back to a movie and be like, uh, it, it's, a re- it's a representation of that time. Right, right. And it's, it's that they're actually kind of timeless in a way. Because it's one of those series where you can watch and you can still enjoy the movie for what it is. Mm. The movies uh, for what they are, even if it's in, in you know, a different time. In the, in as far as future Bonds are concerned, who would you like to see portraying? I don't know. I could go with Kevin Smith's idea and say put a Ben Affleck in everything, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess that would make Q Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Goodwill Q. Oh my god. <laughs> oh Jesus. think of anybody um up and coming actors of course I mean they would have to be British I think they've only had one American actor to play as James Bond and he was actually going to continue but he decided uh, I think he decided not to I can't remember the circumstances I do know that at one time after Sean Connery had uh, decided to leave the series that Burt Reynolds was approached to play as Bond, but he said he, there was no way he was going to do it because it shouldn't be an American, because it should be a British actor, because Bond is a, yeah, a British that makes, character. That and that's why Burt Reynolds sense. never never decided to do it. But um, I can't think of any current uh, British actors who are up and coming that because I haven't really seen. I mean, there's probably plenty of, of British actors, uh, both male or female, that are on Netflix, Hulu, and some of these other stream services that I just have not seen <clears throat> to see if they would be, <clears throat> excuse me, if any of them would be a, a proper replacement for Daniel Craig, seeing as how this next movie is going to be his last, from what I understand, in the series, unless he, they're able to get him to come back for another one. But I think, on average, the only... The only actor who has stayed in the role the longest has been Sean Connery, who even actually came back after. Um, yeah, he did a small hiatus. Well, um, exactly small. But. Yeah, I believe it was. Uh, I think it was George Lazenby. Maybe there was actually two people between Sean uh, with Sean Connery: David Nevin, George Lazenby. According to Wikipedia, Wikipedia here. Um, and uh, so, but Sean Connery is the actor who's who's held the role the most. Yeah. And I think Roger Moore is second, isn't he? Roger Moore would be second, yes. And I think Daniel Craig and Pierce are about tied they're, as far they as are tied. Uh, both, uh, yeah, Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig both have, have played in four movies in the series. And Timothy Dalton has played in two. Anyway, when Roger Moore left, um, when they announced that Timothy Dalton was going to be was going to uh, play the role, it 
it seemed to work just fine, but I think there was some backlash on that at the time, if I remember, about him playing the role. Because there was a lot of lobby at the time for Piers Brosnan to play the role. Because at the time, he was uh, just coming off of Remington Steel, the TV show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody was saying, he should be the next Bond. He should be the next Bond, for sure. But then Timothy Dalton was, was the one who was chosen. And when he finished his two movies and decided not to continue with the role, then they approached Pierce Brosnan. And when Pierce Brosnan was announced for the role, everybody actually lost their shit because they're like, that was perfect. It should be Pierce Brosnan. And, you know, honestly, Pierce Brosnan was probably one of the best Bonds. I mean, he's really not a bad Bond, but, uh, you know, it's oh, yeah. like he was, you know, he's got that, that, that suave look he's got the voice he's got the look he's got everything and it was like he you know it's like now when you think bond you probably think pierce brosnan probably even more than to some degree than sean connery but sean connery would always be the king of that role because he's the one that started and he's the one that stayed in it the longest what do you think of I actually had to type in British actors because I forget who's American and who's British until you hear the accent. But the two, two that I completely forgot were British, as Christian Bale and Henry Cavill. Um, of those two, mm-hmm. I think I would go with Henry Cavill to play as Bond, only because he's younger. Mm-hmm. Um. And it would help him break this Superman curse <laughs> to do another role. But he's already played in like uh, he's already played a role as a villain in the latest um, um, Mission Impossible movie. So that kind of gives him a little pedigree with within the spy movie, kind of to some degree. Even though he played the bad guy in that mm-hmm. movie, um, but of course he could at least that way if he has to do Superman too. <laughs> He also has two Superman. They wouldn't have to worry about shaving a mustache because James Bond doesn't have one. <laughs> so we wouldn't have to worry about that whole geek CGI blow up about that bullshit. I have to say, when I went back and watched it because everybody ran the Raven, I still don't see it. I don't see it I looked for it hardcore did not see it. I was like, y'all were making something out of nothing. Yeah, it was. Because nowadays, it's like you've got all this social media out there. And when it comes to movies, and people are geeking on the movies, and we're geeks too, but not to the degree that everybody, somebody's always going to have something negative to say because that's how they get attention on something, is like trying to be the 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 voice of dissent about something. And that I mean, it's like if there's anything about uh, Batman v Superman that you're going to talk about, that's like the word the the, the most you know, unimportant thing to discuss, you're going to discuss about whether or not, you know, they had to CGI out his mustache. Yeah. It's freaking ridiculous. I was just like, you've got to be kidding me with this shit. Man. Can you imagine if they really did do that, though, with Bond and give him a full fucking beard and it stay that way outside of you know when Pierce you know went to captivity and whatnot. well that's probably a bad trouble you know when he got when he got caught and he had that oh, he's on? yeah okay 
but they got um you know he got called he had the long ass beard and you know M and MI six came back you know said him and he was clean shaven for the rest of the movie I was just like I can only imagine him going with a new trend you know that today has where where every almost every single guy's got a beard or the hipster you know man bun <laughs> I was just gonna say why not give him a man bun too <laughs> he, he can save the world from like uh, you know from non organically uh, produced uh, oranges or some shit like that and have product placement like crazy and have a damn Starbucks cup <laughs> I can see it coming that'll be that'll be a thing it's like there'll be like some Elon Musk kind of uh uh Villain in a Bond movie, and you know he's trying to take out all the, you know, uh, he's trying to genetically modify all the the world's food supply, and that's what Bond is trying to fight against. And I can't even say it with a straight face, <laughs> <laughs> but I know it's coming. <laughs> that's, that's where it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be like that. <laughs> I watch them cater to um, the community, and next thing you know, Bond likes guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, like, he's been a man's man this entire time, a playboy, like a motherfucker. I don't know where. He likes dick. Yeah. Well, there has been talk about them. The next Bond actor would be possibly either a woman, black, or a uh, or both, a black female, which is fine, but I don't know if a female would be right for the role because it's supposed to be a guy. But now, if they were to go with an, uh, a black player, the perfect guy for that would be um, Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Hmm. It, he would issue, be a per. He would be a great Bond. The only thing is, is that then it changes the entire family. Yeah, but then again, but see, like, but there's no real connection between all the movies or, or like. There was always that theory that that James Bond was the the spy name along with 007, and that there was different people who occupied that name. But then that has really pretty much been been knocked out of the idea that like James Bond is just a character that's yeah. you know that's inhabited by different actors, but it doesn't translate into the actual mythos of James Bond being just a it's like a, a pseudonym. Uh, of a name for a spy, so that way you don't know who the, who, what what his real name is. The only way I see a woman playing Bond working is if James Bond has a daughter, and she gets brought up through MI6 to be Bond. That's the only way I see. That's that always a possibility, and that would be a good way to do it. Just like I said about Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, the female version of Ghostbusters should have been just a continuation mm-hmm. with the female characters have been being the. The uh, daughters of, you know, or some of them, more or two of them maybe, and the daughters of the original Ghostbusters carrying on the, uh, the, the, uh, the series that way. And if, if, if it were a daughter of James Bond um, who, or him or somebody like that that takes mm-hmm. on the, the, the role, that would be a, a great way to do it. Uh, you know, you, you want that kind of con- – it doesn't really matter if you change genders or races of the role. You just want it to be consistent. You want it to work. Because nobody really cares, honestly, about <clears throat> about the race or the gender of the role. You just want to make sure that there's some consistency there that makes sense as to why that change is there. And that's what people respond to. They don't, res- they don't respond to all that crap that people want to say about, 
you know, we need to change this. You need to not white white whitewash it or unwhitewash it or whatever. Most people out there, you know, the ones that just want to watch a good movie or a good TV show, they want entertainment. They don't really care about what actor, the gender or the race of the actor plays, as long as it's a good story, it's a great movie, good direction, good writing, and there's a consistency there that works. So it'd be all right if Darth Vader was a woman in the next movie. <laughs> No. <laughs> I don't think there could be a next movie with Darth Vader. There wouldn't be that it's consistency. Disney. It's Disney. There wouldn't be that consistency there because Darth Vader is gone. You know, I mean, I, and even if you were to do like a prequel of Darth Vader, like in the time between when he becomes Darth Vader from uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith up to at least Rogue One or or uh, Episode Four, New Hope. You know, there's you can't change you can't change the the gender of the character within that time frame. Now, if you wanted to create a new Sith villain that was female, by all means, go ahead. There actually have been some. There have been some in the extended universe, and there have been uh, there have been some in in within the uh, the Clone Wars uh, cartoon shows. So, uh, Asajj Ventress, for example, was a female uh, a Sith apprentice. Of Count Dooku, so you know there have been female Sith out there because there's really no limitation on race or gender within Star Wars. Even though the naysayers want to act like there is uh, within the the uh, um, social justice warrior Disney camp, but it's not that. But it's not true. So, but yeah, I don't. You can't change the gender of Darth Vader only because it, there's no way of being able to do that consistent within the story. Again, like I said, it would have if you wanted to create a new Darth Vader-like Sith that's female. Yeah, but it would have to be outside of the canon of what is, who is Darth Vader currently. I can see them doing it. <laughs> of course, they would get backlash, but I don't think they'll do it because I don't think those kind of things go that far. I really don't think they go that far. And it would be stupid. I think I don't think Disney's that stupid, or even Lucasfilm's that stupid to try to do something like that because they would lose all credibility and they would lose all of their fans if they were to try to pull off some stunt like that. And even even people I think who would be on board with it would still think it's not. It wouldn't work. I'm trying to remember what. Uh, I got the cast again. Not remember the name of the um, the um, the character in Avengers, the one that um, Doctor Strange was getting the crystal from on the um, rooftop. You know, pushed him out of pushed him out of his body. Uh, oh, you talking about? Um, I think they're called the sure it's called the wise one or something like that. That's one I know he talking about. Um, but I say they, they gender and weight and race swapped that character because he was a, the her character that she played, he was an old Chinese man in the comics. He's never changed in the comic book, and they got backlash after that movie was out. 
as I remember when I first saw the character, I was like, wait, I don't remember that character being a woman. I just remember, I just remember she was bald. Are you talking about, all right, Tilda Swinton played as the ancient one? Yeah, that's it, the ancient Okay. One. Yeah, they gender end um, race swapping on that one. Yeah, they did. Uh, you know, and that's probably one of those, it, it, that is one of those that, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but so they, they, that was, and that was even before all this, the SJW stuff came about in Hollywood as of late. Why they did that, I don't know. Um I guess <clears throat> I don't really have an answer for that. Uh, probably because, again, like I have always stayed pretty consistent with all these podcasts, is that I never <clears throat> really did a deep dive or even watched, look, read the comics of the Marvel characters that much. So I don't have really a history in my head as to um, the the storyline with with the ancient one in the comics um i think sometimes movies just try to go in a different direction to see if it will work that's um, why that's why you see all the comic book fanboys be like stay consistent with the source material <laughs> it could also i think i what i did see on one video a while back that there was an idea that what they were trying to say was that the ancient one was probably whoever the original character was but did a body swap like they moved their essence to another body and that that's the that would have been the current body for the ancient one was the woman sound like they're trying to pull a dogma on that <laughs> uh i'm just saying that's that's i mean i think that's one explanation that may have been given as to to make it seem consistent like i say of trying to like it was there was like she was also very old too or like it was many many years ago and there was a sort of like an essence body swap because the original ancient one's body was dying and had to do a body swap and and it went into a female or something like that maybe one of his students from many years ago that was able to do that so hey I think that would work even if it's not true <laughs> here's one that a lot of people don't really talk about Favorite Bond girl. That's every movie has one. Hmm. That one girl that just captivates them. That might be three or four in the movie, but there's always one girl that he just strides to the most. Favorite Bond girl. I'm kind of tied with two Ralph Hand. Well, who are they then? <clears throat> um... I like um, uh, I'm trying to remember how I'm trying to remember the real names plus you know the character names, but I liked um, her name was Christmas. That was I'm trying to remember which um, is the one where where he had to, is where Pierce had to try to acquire a Russian exit, and um. Uh, what's the girl from um, Goldeneye? Damn, as many times as I've watched Goldeneye, I cannot remember this woman's name to save my life. And that's kind of embarrassing. 
Natalia Simonova. That's it. I just thought for a Bond girl, I thought they just nailed it with her because she was she had that spitfire that you know Bond needed as a mm-hmm. combatant, so to speak. Like she could she could dish it to him as much as he could dish it to her, and I'm just I was like that just works so well. And that's that's what you want with a, a female co-star or an, or protagonist or antagonist is you want one that can go toe to toe with the main lead in the Bond movie. Mm-hmm. I mean that just makes it much better. You don't you know nobody really cares much for the damsel in distress um, uh, form of of a uh, female co-star. Nobody really likes that. It's. It's actually something that was had gone out of vogue probably since the '60s and the '70s, and uh, it's only increased over time that that female leads would be just as strong as their male lead counterparts, and that's the way it should be, honestly. And I'm not just saying that because you know, just to to blow smoke up people's asses. It's true, <laughs> you know. That's what people want to see. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not much of an expert on James Bond. I have to look up most of this information because I, I I've really just kind of I guess passively watched James Bond movies um, to yeah, enjoy them, but I haven't really I haven't really gotten into the, the 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 series that much. Or I mean, me personally, I think I've all, I liked Daniel I like Daniel Craig in the role. Of James Bond, and maybe it's just because I think that his version is more of the modern, almost fast action uh, uh, spy, like I was mentioning before. Uh, the one that you know, you watch, you watch one of his movies, and with a few exceptions, it's just going to go from scene to scene, and it's going to just be a continuous action, and 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 um, it, it just really keeps you pumped to watch the movie. And now, but if you want the, you know, if you want to go back to the, the older James Bond movies, if you want more of the nostalgia of the time, you can watch those. <clears throat> I had to look it up myself. Um, the world is not enough. Denise Richards, she played Christmas, Doctor Christmas Jones. Oh, uh, okay, yes. For some other reason, I was wanting to think her last name was Christmas. That's what was throwing me off. Well, I just remember a robot chicken where she, he says Christmas is coming <laughs> and he can't let it go. <laughs> I say that sounds like an innuendo. Christmas is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Although the girl who played um, Electric King in that in that movie, um, Sophia, I thought she was pretty nice too, but she she wasn't she was no Denise Richards. That was the first time he was like truly in a love quarrel, so to speak. Well, at the time, I think it was at, uh, let's see, Terry Hatcher. She played in um, Tomorrow Never Dies. She was a Bond girl in Tomorrow Never Dies, and she was big at the time that everybody was uh, enamored with. I remember which one it is that um, Halle Berry's in. 
I think that was the last one of Pierce Brosnan. I think it was uh, Die Another Day. I'm checking right now. Yep. Die Another Day. The actual themes, well, besides the James Bond theme song alone, I don't know why, but the theme song for Die Another Day that um, Madonna did, I thought that was a kick-ass song for that. But see, that, that, as far as the official theme song for the movie, that and GoldenEye are my top two. Then the be the world is not enough. Well, my favorite, I think Casino Royale is my favorite James Bond movie, followed by Skyfall. And then third would be Octopussy, only because that's the first one I watched and I really thoroughly enjoyed it as a kid. You just like you guys have pussy in the name. <laughs> <laughs> that might have something to do with it. <laughs> but I remember being a kid and, and it was hard to say that title because it, you almost thought you were going to get in trouble for saying that. <laughs> I like Octopussy. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I walked around with a censored button. Is that uh, this is going to show where I haven't watched all the Sean Connery shit? Which one is Pussy Galore from? I say I can't remember if that was her actual name in the movie or if that was a code name for her. Because back then, I mean, they did do some innuendo names. I'm checking now. I don't. That would be a long one to check because that one was Sean Connery was in that one. That name, us obviously, I think, kind of stuck with anybody's ear, regardless. Oh of male yeah, or female. that was even worse than Octopussy. <laughs> First time I heard it, I was like, "They got away with that." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Y'all want to talk about misogyny and womanizer? Damn, <laughs> it's all right there in the fucking name." Another thing I kind of miss that they did with Goldeneye, I, I know everybody's going to be like, my God, keep up bringing up Goldeneye, but 006, Alex Trevelyan. It makes me wonder what are the other 00 agents that we don't know about that could be great. As I thought, I thought Alex Trevelyan was a great character. But there's, there hasn't been any other double agents that I'm aware of. Let's see, there was a character called Plenty O'Toole in Diamonds Are Forever. I'm not finding that name. Could be the very first one, I'm just not there yet. And there's probably people out there who, all five of them who will be listening that would be like, oh my god, it's this movie. Why can't you get it? <laughs> Ah, uh, here we go. Goatfinger. Pussy Galore. Ah, uh, okay. Then actually, that's actually, that, I think that was my... I, um, yeah, I was, that was the next one I was going <laughs> to... I think that was actually my... I think that was my first Sean Connery um, movie, I believe, that I watched. There's so many of them. Yeah, yeah, plenty to choose from. Yeah. I mean, you, you basically had to spend a whole weekend, even if you were to, to binge watch this, it would take you almost a whole weekend to watch every one of these movies and especially do it in, in order which you can do because 
Wikipedia has it here, all of them from since 1962 to currently. And of course, the last movie, No Time to Die, won't be released until October of this year. And Billie Eilish, or Eilish, can't remember how to say her name properly. She's the one doing the um, theme song for that one. Eilish. No, yeah, because I always think it sounds like Eyelash. Mm, okay. Billie Eilish. I wonder if that song is going to be emo as fuck. <laughs> she's a very emo... From the music I've heard, she's a very emo girl. I guess she's trying to bring it back. Uh, well, never really goes away. It just kind of crawls into a corner for a while. It's like that old, that old joke. Girl cuts her wrist. I like you cut, G. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn. The first time I heard that, I was like, damn, that is dark humor at its finest. Be, I think it'd actually be pretty cool if they actually cast her in the movie if they haven't already done it. I haven't looked up to see who's in that movie yet. Well, let's check, shall we? I don't know if the movie hasn't been released yet, but I'm sure they already have a, a cast list. So I don't know how her acting skills are, but it would be nice to see her in the movie. Oh, here we go. Here's Cass. Okay. Of course, Daniel Craig as James Bond. Rami Malik as... Well, I can't even say that name. Um, can't say that one either. <laughs> Good Lord. Like, damn it, Bobby. But to answer your question, I'm not seeing her name in the cast list. That's a shame. But what I can do is I can check to see what the internet says for possible new Bond actors. Oh, okay. Remy Malik. He's the one that was in Bohemian Rhapsody. At the very top, Idris Elba. <laughs> what I tell you? <laughs> the very oh, top possible pick. Possible new ones. Yeah. Possible new ones. Tom Hardy. Tom Hiddleston. Oh, I can see Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston, yeah. yes. yes. I can see him. He, and Henry Cavill is at the, in that top four list, too. Well, I know about two years ago, Henry talked about doing the role. Richard Madden, James Norton, Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender, that would be Fassbender fascinating. <laughs> God. Aiden Turner, Killian Murphy. No, I can't see Killian Murphy. Maybe as a villain. Damien Lewis. I didn't even think about Michael Fassbender. As Daniel. A, damn, that Kalea. actually would be really fucking great. Who? Michael Fassbender. I really think that would work. I think that would work too. And since Daniel Craig took over the role from... Because one of the biggest... One of the, the controversial things about Daniel Craig when he took over the role was the fact that Every James Bond actor, with the exception to some degree of Sean Connery, they've always been like dark-haired. Mm-hmm. And uh, Daniel Craig was, you know, the first blonde Bond. Depending on the lighting, he's a dirty blonde in the movies. Yeah, but, I mean, Sean Connery was—he um, was almost like a dirty blonde, kind of a brown. Um, I think they probably 
I don't know. I had, like I said, haven't done a deep dive on it, but they probably dyed his hair to some degree. But in his early years, it was it was much dark. His hair was much darker. But um, of course, he you know he had a receding hairline by the time he got to the to you know close to the end of his run as as James Bond. But I knew that was that. Was, and again, it's, it's like the mustache gate thing. It, it's one of those things like you know the, James Bond has, is supposed to have blonde hair and blue eyes or something like that. And it's like who cares, honestly. It's like, it, does the actor fit? And I think Michael Fassbender would fit as a good James Bond. But yeah, those that Henry Cavill, Tom Hiddleston, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, I can't really know if I can see him as a Bond. Again, I can see him more as either. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Um, a co-star in a Bond movie with with Bond, or as a maybe as a villain, but I role, but uh, and if they were to go with um, a different race, Idris Elba would I'd definitely be at the top of the list because I think he'd be fantastic in the role, and he's British, so and of course all those actors are British or uh, Irish or Scottish Wales. But Tom Hardy would actually be the shortest Bond, wouldn't he? I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. Because I know Christian Bale's... He's about... I think Christian Bale's plus to my height. And Tom Hardy like came up to his chest. Hmm. You sure it wasn't the bat boots? Bat boots don't have that much soul. <laughs> <laughs> that Tom Hardy was wearing boots in the movie and he still came up to his chest. Right. <laughs> I know sometimes it's, it's camera, camera angles make can make or break what an actor looks Unless like. Unless they had somebody standing on top of something and we they just kept it out of camera to give a height difference. It, sometimes they do that. Sometimes they they put like a platform that you can't see for an actor who's shorter. You know, and try not to browbeat the whole Batman thing. But you know, a lot of people didn't think that Michael Keaton was going to make a good Batman because the same thing they thought he was too short to play Batman in the original Batman movie from 1989. There's even a Tiny Toons. Um, Tiny Toons actually makes fun of it. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's a thing where, like, back in the 1930s, there was a Bugs Bunny cartoon or, or Warner Brothers Looney Tunes cartoon where they were doing caricatures of all the famous actors and actresses at the time, so they're all coming to this club. And of course, the animators had drawn these really whacked out characterizations or caricatures of the actors mm -hmm. and the actresses or all, all the people who were famous in Hollywood. Tiny Toons did the same thing back in the early, early, late 80s, early 90s. Or I should say, I'd say it was probably in the early 90s because it was obviously after the Batman movie came out because there was a scene where all, they did the same thing. They did these whacked out car caricatures of the famous actors at the time. Mm -hmm. who were coming to this club or to a premiere movie or something like that. Batman shows up in the Batmobile. Batman comes out. He unzips his suit. Now out walks a very tiny um, Michael Keaton. <laughs> 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 and I laughed so hard when I saw that because I was like, 
you know, even Warner Brothers can poke fun of the fact that they they hired Michael Keaton to play as Batman at the time. Man, that's uh, I probably seen it, but I completely forgot about it. I just always remember some of the things you remember sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I always just I just thought it was a great way that they poked fun at themselves about the whole thing. That that was at the time. Now it's like people are begging to have Michael Keaton play as Batman again, you know, it, to some degree. Well, he's going to be in the Flash movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, people want that. But whereas, like, many, many years ago, they didn't even want him to touch it. And it's just amazing how people's attitudes change about things. They might, I think my only complaint, even though it's the most petty thing I could possibly complain about, was his hair in, in, the, in that movie. His hair? Mm. Whose hair? Michael Keaton's. Oh, because he has a receding hairline too? It's, you know. it, was, it was like, it was, I think, a little bit shorter than my hair Hair is right now. I'm just like, just didn't look good. Oh, okay. Like, to me, Bruce Wayne should always have a full head of hair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Superman so should have a mustache. <laughs> well, it wouldn't really matter if he had a mustache. I mean, you don't always. It depends on how far down the mask goes. Right. Unless it's Christian Bell's where it shows everything. I am looking forward to this new... The um, new Bond movie. Really curious on what the direction is going to go since they are supposed to be introducing a female... Well, Maybe not a legitimately a female Bond because, like, you know, Danny Craig's repressing his role, but they showed a lot of focus on this one girl being the next top agent, and I'm curious on how that's going to be. Well, that's maybe that's how they're going to transition the role, and uh, yeah, and you hope it works. If it's going to work, if they're that's what they're going to do, just make sure it works where it's going to make sense. That's all all anybody can ask. Make you know, make sure it makes sense that if that's the direction you're going to go, that it's the right direction, and that it, it it fits into the the mythology of the character in the series. I was kind of surprised on how young they made um, they made Q because I mean I know the original I know the original actor, but original for me, mm-hmm. the um, well, the guy who was the guy who was Q through all the. Um, all the Pierce Brosnan movies, and I think he was also cute through a lot of Sean Connery as well. But when he fi- but when he finally died, and they brought in what's his um what's his face. At first, I didn't like him because I thought he he was way too quirky. Yeah. But after watching after watching the Skyfall, I. I the, when he played Q in uh, Casino Royale, I hated it. I was like this. I was like this does not fucking work. But after seeing him in Skyfall, it was almost like he was a completely different character, and I thought he nailed it in Skyfall. Sometimes it takes a while for for actors and characters to kind of, or actors to kind of find their their space. And sometimes I think I think a good production, what they do is if they bring a new actor into a existing role, a different actor into an existing role, I think. A good production actually says, "Okay, 
we know this is a different actor. We know there's going to be a little bit, there's going to be some difference in how they portray the role, but we're going to stick with them long enough through maybe one or two movies to let them get used to the role and let it make them their make the role their own. Versus just like, oh, well, nobody liked it, didn't work, and we're just going to cut you loose and try again. It's like, that's where you start falling to that place like with Warner Brothers where it's like, we do this movie, nobody liked it. Let's do a different movie with a different character, you know, different actors and, and existing mm-hmm. characters and roles. And you're like, okay, you guys, you need to pull back on the reins on this and <laughs> stop creating all these things that you're like, oh, well, we'll just solve it all in the multiverse. <laughs> So you go back, reevaluate your character, rewrite it, and go. <laughs> right. So I think that's what happened with there is they just decided, okay, well, it's a new – same thing with Bond. You know, same thing with Daniel Craig. It's like they put a new actor in the role. At first, people were kind of adverse to it. Like, you know, there were people who had, were adverse to to Timothy Dalton playing, taking over the role. And then they liked him because then when Pierce Brosnan was coming along, even though there were a lot of people that wanted Pierce Brosnan that, you know, to play the role – when Timothy Dalton was no longer going to do it, there were people who were upset about that. You know, like, well, Pierce Brosnan had his chance, and you know, he didn't take it at the time, and maybe he shouldn't be the James Bond now. And then when James, when Pierce Brosnan was no longer going to do it, and then they brought in Daniel Craig, there were people who were averse to that. But then people started to get, you know, then people were okay with it because they're like, okay, now he is James Bond, and we're used to seeing him in the role. And same thing with any other characters when actors have to part because of a contract or death or, or just decide to go take their career in a different direction. If, uh, you know, they put new actors in it, it just takes a little bit of time, a movie or two, if they decide to make turn it into a series for them to really find their feet in, in the role and people will start to appreciate it. I think one of the things that Bond movies suffer these days, especially after, I want to say it probably started, I want to say it probably started with GoldenEye, because maybe even License to Kill, because License to Kill came out in 1989, GoldenEye came out in 1995, and the thing I'm talking about is one of the main one of the main things that that the Bond movies uh, existed on was the the specter of the Cold War at the time with Russia. So mm-hmm. you had you had the Western powers, that is Western Europe and the United States, versus the Soviet bloc. So not to get too political into it, but it was the enemy for Bond was pretty much going to be an enemy who was either aligned with or was a member of probably one of the Soviet blocs or yeah. and then you did have some like uh, you did have some villains who were kind of just villains for themselves you know like Goldf- uh, Goldfinger for example or, or villains like that that were or Spectre but Spectre was probably more of an amalgamation of fascists and communists you know like Russia German Nazi Germany to a degree Spectre was kind of more of a um, more of a it's supposed to be a, a, like a, a fake established organization villainous organization that Bond would have to fight against mm-hmm. and then when the Cold War ended and the wall came down then you know which was in 1989 then then it was kind of like it kind of cleaned the slate because then it was like okay well who's going to be Bond's 
main villain if it's no longer going to be something based on sort of the east versus west ideal so and that's where it was kind of like you know where does it pick up and and where do you find bond fighting against this established enemy so then it became more of the um global uh global patriarchy or the the corporate greed global corporate greed uh type villains kind of going back to some of the almost like austin power austin powers type yeah baby (laughs) type uh you know uh um over the top mega villains for a while until you got to in a way you had that with tomorrow never dies yeah tomorrow's news today (laughs) (laughs) which i thought that was a great line of the movie as simple as it was (laughs) And tomorrow never dies, James. And of course, nowadays you have to be careful because you could al- you could almost say, okay, who would be the main who would be the main villains in a in a spy type movie or a, a espionage type movie uh, with James Bond? You could say, well, there's the Chinese, there's North Korea, there's Russia again because Russia has gained a lot of power as of late. The more. U.S. government, yeah, could be the United States. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's there's a lot of global political things going on in the world that you could say that you know would be a, a you know a Bond enemy or something like that. I think most of the ones that as of late have been more like just like organ like Spectre came back, but was more like a terrorist type organization, so terrorism, you know, but not in a way that would be offensive to any one group. So you can't really make the Russians the enemy you can't make the Chinese an enemy because now movies spend so much movie studios spend so much money on a movie on a single movie they spend millions of dollars and the only, they know that the only way they're going to be able to get a lot of that money back is it's no longer re- reliant on the the US market from a movie now they have to rely on a global market yes. which means you have to rely on a Chinese market the Russian market yeah, Korean and so forth you can't demonize the viewership or else you want to get massive backlash and, and even though the South Koreans and the North Koreans are, are don't really necessarily like each other there is still a connection there because of families and, and history and everything so you can't really demonize even if you can't really demonize North Koreans Anymore, and you could you could do that to South Koreans because there had I think there was I can't remember there was a, maybe a, it might have been the new um, uh, the the reboot or the the remake of uh, Red Dawn where originally it was going to be the one with Chris um, Hems, uh, Chris Hemsworth in it and the enemy was going to be China but because they need, they they wanted to rely on the Chinese market they they made it North Korea as the enemy that was invading the United States. But then there was still some backlash in Korea, even in South Korea, because of that. Because it, Korea was the name Korea was you know in as the enemy, and because there's still that there's still that hope I think in the Korean Peninsula that they would be able to so at some point reunify. So, but so you can't really, you know, it's kind of hard to like create an enemy for Bond or any any spy movie where there is a definite geopolitical enemy as mm-hmm. more than there is just one that's more an amalgamation of of something that's based more on something that everybody suffers from like say just terrorism <laughs> or something or maybe some uh, you know 
global conspiracy or economic conspiracy or something like that, like a corporate entity, a global corporate entity who wants to take over the world with, you know, a satellite or something like that. So, and so I think it makes it harder to probably write a decent enemy for a good guy like Bond. And, and it not also not seem like the West is always the, are always the good guys versus, you know, uh, yeah. an Asian continent country or, or, or African or South American or something like that. And I think, I think also with Tomorrow Never Dies, I think that was the closest they were probably going to get to the Illumin, to something that's Illuminati-esque being the bad guy. Yeah. With the way he ran that corporation. Mm-hmm. Every time I watch it, I always get Illuminati vibes. <laughs> well, if the Illuminati exists, the best thing that they did was try to convince everybody they didn't exist like the devil <laughs> and that's like okay yeah sure put the Illuminati or the Masons or anything like that in every movie because then same thing with aliens put aliens in every movie because if people watch it enough they'll believe it's just make believe and they won't believe it's possibly real their focus will be on it being make believe instead of you know this phantom of an enemy that doesn't really exist versus the possibility that maybe Damn, that got yeah, dark quick. could possibly exist. <laughs> that got dark real quick. <laughs> no, it didn't get dark. It just got esoteric. <laughs> it's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would wear my tin foil hat, but I got to bake chicken later. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Is there any hates or dislikes that you can think of when it comes to Bond? Something that you really wish they would change? Um, hates or dislikes? I I can't really qualify an answer on that because, again, like I said, I haven't watched all the movies. I don't know. I want to tell but, you. But uh, um, I just think as long as... I would say... I can't say anything current. But I think as long as the movies don't try to fall to social political pressure that a lot of movies have fallen to, a lot of entertainment within the entertainment industry have fallen to with yeah. social justice warriors and trying to change and doing gender swaps on characters that don't make sense. I mean, like I said before, uh, a gender or race swap is fine as long as it makes sense. It works for the for the role, for the characterization. It works for the for the series if it's a series. But just to do it out of the blue, just to satisfy a small segment of society that wants to feel satisfied by something like that, doesn't work. Um, but again, anything that would seem out of place, I just hope they don't do. They don't take a a beloved series, a franchise, a character, and they they make changes that are going to basically cause it to become eliminated from the zeitgeist of watching movies uh, that people would enjoy. That's the only thing that I would hate is if they did something like that. And I hope they don't do something like that. Um, and then, of course, on the horizon is who's going to take up the mantle of Bond if they continue to do the movies after Daniel Craig leaves. You know, is is their choice going to be a good choice or is it going to be another one of those situations where A, it's not a good choice uh, or B, it is, but then the actor or the production or the, or the, the studio 
doesn't want to continue with the actor for one reason or another and then they start having a series of like each movie has a different Bond actor in each one and then pretty soon you're just like I'm, you're just kind of throwing your hands up going, I'm done. I don't really want to watch this anymore because they can't stay consistent with anything and they can't they can't put anything together right that's going to make any sense or actually make it enjoyable to watch what about you? I'm kind of in the same boat as I want shit to stay consistent and whenever they start changing shit up it aggravates the crap out of me that's pretty probably the only deal I have which I mean it's been up to this point it's been consistent I believe probably give probably give give more agents a spotlight with Bond is one thing I would like to see more because like I said in GoldenEye you got you we were introduced to 006 so that tells uh, me there's yeah. to me that, that, that right there says there's possibly a 001 through 5 and maybe 8 through whatever like who are these other agents that we don't know about that would be that's a good idea I like that that's something that, that when they did bring 006 in I, I was hoping they would continue to explore is the idea that there are other agents what are their numbers and what is their backstory and that mm-hmm. could actually spin off into like other and maybe that's one way they're going to do it it's like if there's going to be a different race for a, a, a bond like character or a different a different uh, gender that those would be other spies who are introduced into the you know into bond into the bond sphere and then they get their own stories and they get their own movies that kind of branch off into different directions and that would be cool I think that would really be great, and it would probably breathe new life into the whole series too. So I know they did. Um, it was a, it was only an animated series and didn't last long at all. I think it had there one was an animated series. Mm-hmm. Man, they always do an animated series of something. They um they did James Bond Junior. James Bond Junior. <laughs> God, you only had a you only God had... damn it. Kind <laughs> of like you don't know about that one. I don't, and I'm glad I don't. <laughs> Oh my god, that's like King Kong Jr. or Godzuki or <laughs> Oh my god, they always uh James Bond Jr. I wonder if I can find it on YouTube. I mean when I was a kid I loved to watch cartoons and certain animated series, but it's like that's the go to to when you want to basically it's kinda like the body's dead but you keep pumping on the chest. <laughs> To keep it alive and keep pumping air into the lungs. Yo, okay, I've seen enough. <laughs> Looks like it was uh, produced by Dick. DIC, the same company that did all the other. It was probably from the 80s too, wasn't it? Or the early 90s? You're like three seconds in. All right, I've had enough. But yeah, doing an animated version of a character, uh, uh, it, it, like I said, it's like it's like the body is dead, but you keep pumping on the chest and breathing air into the lungs to try to keep it alive. And it's just it's like at some point somebody has to pull you back and just shake their head and go, "No, he's gone." <laughs> She's just stop. Yeah, it says I had um, ninety-one to ninety-two, sixty-five episodes. Mm. Probably shouldn't have even lasted that long. 
But I'll say that about any anim- a lot of animated movies that are based on live action movies that where they're trying to hit the kid angle. Mm-hmm. Because like Bond is not a kid movie. I mean Bond is there's a sexualization there, there's there's violence, there's gunplay, there's the political gunplay or the political maneuvering in a Bane James movie. It's not supposed to be for kids, but then somehow kids were always uh, shown these movies. And then... Corey Burton was the voice actor. And then the studio decides, well, there's a new market here. Let's market to children. And it's like, well, we can't just do James Bond to kids. What can we do? Okay, James Bond Jr. Like, you know, he's not going to be out there screwing teenage animated girls. And, you know, he's going to be hanging out at the mall and... You know, when he's not out there, like, I guess, saving the world from something. I don't know. So, yeah. But, yeah, I just... You're just like, just no. <laughs> I mean, there are good animated shows. Animated shows that are for animation. And then there's animated shows that are based on movies. Like, the one, what course... And it's not because I was... I grew up in the 80s, but I think the one exception would pick... One of the few exceptions, not all, not just the one... Is Goat the real Ghostbusters being an animated show that was based on the movie? You know, but that was actually pretty good. But then again, you, if you go back and you watch it, you can see the inconsistencies in that too. Same thing; they're just stretching out, you know, that into that more of that kid market. And again, Ghostbusters was not a movie meant for kids. There's scenes in that movie. There's things in that movie that are adult situation. And go, real Ghostbusters wasn't meant for kids, but then it hits video. The parents need a distraction so that they can either booze it up or hang out with their friends. So they throw on, you know, Ghostbusters or something. Kids watch it, they love it. The new market opens up for the movie. So then they create an animated series that kids can enjoy watching on Saturday mornings or when they come home from school after, after you know, when they come home from after school to watch something, the reruns of it. And then it just explodes that way. And that's why the second Ghostbusters movie was not anywhere as good as the first one because they tried to continue to play sort of that kid angle into it from the real Ghostbusters. And that's why the second Ghostbusters wasn't as good as the first. I was saying, I actually thought the second one wasn't too bad. <laughs> it was okay. It wasn't great. He's like, it was... Yeah. I... You know, it was disappointing. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a bad movie, but it was, it just, it didn't have, like certain movies have, they just have a certain feeling to them. They just have a certain nuance to them that you enjoy. Mm. I, I, it's hard to describe. It's just, it's kind of like when you hear that that song for the first time that you really like, you're like, oh, this is an awesome song. You know, and, you, and your mind kind of does a, uh, kind of like a date stamp in your head of, you know what you were doing at the time you listened to that song. Who you were with, what you were doing. Were you at this party? Were you with this girl or boy? Were you driving down the road? You know that kind of thing. So your mind, your body, your mind just kind of does this date stamp of something that really appeals to you. Whether it's a, a movie, a song, a TV show, or anything that really hits your, your emotional core. And certain movies are like that. So when they try to do other movies or other things with the movie that doesn't quite feel the same it just seems kind of a letdown and you just start to see those cracks in the veneer of of the inconsistencies of a sequel that doesn't quite live up to its original version Mm -hmm. you know um and it's rare that the sequel would ever be as good or better than the original 
that carries on the story better. And Ghostbusters, unfortunately, does not fit in that mold because the second one, as an example, doesn't. It doesn't really live up as as well as the first one because it's either a they tried to play the kid angle into it because of the animated series. B, they tried to retread the movie from the original instead of actually coming up with something uh, genuinely new in the script. And C, well, I don't really have a C except they should have seen something better into doing it. You know, since everything you can currently has been getting like a like a TV episodic release, especially with all the Disney stuff that's about to come out. I wonder if they'll try to do that with um, 007 and like literally just name it 007. Hmm. I don't know. I think every every episode would have to be at least an hour long since all the action scenes that are in the movies. Going back to what we said before, if they were to explore other agents, other spy agents like 001, 002, 007, or 008, whatever, I think that would probably work if they tried to create like a streaming service episodic series based on Bond. Because like right now you have Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you have WandaVision, and these are not the main, necessarily the main characters of the Avengers. And more, it's like the side cast. They're the side casts that are going to hopefully lead up to the next phase, leading to the next phase of Marvel mm-hmm. into the actual movies that are going to be released, with the exception of Black Widow. That's more really more of a kind of a retro prequel that should have been done years ago. A filler, yeah, a filler that should have been done years ago. But those why those that's why those would probably work episodically as episodes on streaming like Disney Plus because you're not you're not doing one character that could be in a movie in a major movie like yeah. if you were to do Bond Bond would be like okay Bond's in uh, he's in TV and he's in the movies so not only are the just the production and the actors being completely worked to death to create all this content but then it's like they have to they have to like coexist in the same universe meaning they have to if you're going to do storylines for streaming, they would have to eventually lead into a movie. And I don't know if they would be able to do that. But again, if they were to create offshoots of Bond into other agents, and those could probably be the streaming that would probably work with interlocking stories that would work into an actual Bond movie or something like that. That would probably work. But then there's so much streaming content out there on Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, HBO Max, Paramount+, Plus, and so forth. You know, it's... It's impossible to really want to. It's. I mean, it's. It's gone from cable TV, where there used to be like just a shitload of content on different things, to now they're all the same. Like you can go to the History Channel, you can go to uh, Discovery Channel, and most of them are just these stupid reality TV shows about like, okay, uh, you know, let's throw a fishing boat out in the middle of the Atlantic and see how much fish they catch, or let's, you know. <laughs> Uh, this job or, or this you know storage unit yeah it's like and most of it's not even real reality TV it's all scripted and it's all set up you know you learn later of course and you, not like you didn't really know that it's all set up mm-hmm. it's all a setup just for the show and so now people have gone to they've turned from cable to streaming but then streaming is becoming just like cable and that you've got tons of content. Yeah, where you might but as well just it, be back on cable. Yeah, well, not really because, you know, you go to streaming because why? What's one of the main reasons? 
oh, I only have to pay thirteen ninety nine a month for this streaming service versus paying, you know, almost seventy five to one hundred dollars a month for for a cable service. But if you combine all the streaming services you have to get for the content, Disney, Hulu, Netflix, Paramount Plus, HBO Max, for all that, by the time you pay for all those streaming services together. It's the same amount of money. And then, of course, then they're going to start, and then Disney's already doing it, where it's like, well, here's a bundle. You can get Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu Plus, because they own Hulu, because Disney owns just about everything but the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, and then they can bundle it together. Oh, and then it's a savings. But then you're like, okay, I'm kind of back in the cable game again. So now I'm doing everything online on my, and burning the hell out of my Wi-Fi. <laughs> 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 you're gonna have to get a Wi-Fi as big as the old stereo speaker systems that are almost like a console TV size, just to be able to. There's, to, there's our next shirt right there. <laughs> shit, I could do it right now. I could bitch about this all day. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's another that completely off topic. That's another thing we gotta do. We gotta come up with some more designs for shirts. Well, okay, I can come up with some design for shirts. Let's see, everything is going to be on tpublic.com. Thanks to <coughs> Rabbit and Red Radio. Nice plug. <laughs> Are these microphones still on? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we had, to, we had to plug it. Technically, we should have plugged it at the very beginning of the episode, but oh well. Uh, it's there. <laughs> Oh, and I know where I'm getting a fucking crap in my leg. <laughs> Why? <laughs> that hurts so much. <laughs> uh, well, the stools aren't as comfortable. This out of nowhere random cramp in the left leg. You can stand up. That's what I was just doing. That didn't help either. Oh. Well, I mean, I, I don't really have anything else to say about James Bond. I can't think of anything else. I, I will after we're done, but... <laughs> <laughs> it always As happens. always. Like, 20 seconds later, but, I mean, you know, but, like, oh, yeah! But all of our podcasts are not consistently on one subject. We kind of, like, kind of move in and out anyway, which actually, normal conversation is better than just trying to have a, kind of say, stay on... Here's a quasi-script. That's one reason why I like ours. We're not going off a script. Some uh, some of them, when you go to watch the actual, like, if they actually do a video of it, you see, like, 18 pieces of paper, and it's all the shit they're going to talk about. I'm like, that's too much to keep up with. Yeah, I... No. I mean, that's why I, I... Even though we might have a particular main subject in mind, I don't... I like it if we... You know, when we sometimes, like talk about other things too because I think it's more fun just to have the normal conversation that it weaves in and out mm -hmm. instead of just trying to stay on one particular subject because sometimes you you know you, you're not going to always be able to know everything about a particular subject but you know everything it, it kind of everything kind of segues in and out and back and forth here's an interesting idea there's just something happened popping my head Kevin Smith directing a James Bond movie. <laughs> I, well, I mean, why not? 
Absolutely. I can, could, only, I can only imagine James. But I, but I was going to say, it's like, you know, <laughs> I can just imagine James is in the middle of, you know, he's in the middle of shooting up some rushers or something and he hears snoochie boochies in the background. Oh my God, that'd be funny as fuck. Because you, I mean, you know, of course, Gene and Silent Bob are going to pop up at some point. <laughs> Man, who the fuck just steals a tank? <laughs> <laughs> and Silent Bob points over to Bob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yo, Silent Bob, I'm going to get a tank. I'm going to get a 50 cal and get a big old freaking pipe. <laughs> I'm going to smoke through that tank. That looks like a chat bong, too. <laughs> We're gonna sit down with the Russians and we're gonna hit the fucking bomb. We're gonna all be like, why are we even fighting this shit? <laughs> the fucking JB hitting on Money Penny. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be. There is so. There's so much that he could do with that shit. Oh yeah. But I think if you. Honestly, I think if Kevin Smith were gonna do something like that, he'd, it'd be more of a. a a parody or sat- satirical take on James Bond. It wouldn't be what you would say necessarily in the canon of James Bond, yeah. but it would still be fun to watch. I think it would be like maybe like um, chasing Amy meets Red State. Yeah, I guess something to that degree. I'd say more like Red uh, Reboot meets um, Red State. <laughs> You know, because it, it it would have to be like, I think if you're going to do something like that, it would be more that road movie that Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back or Jay and Silent Bob Reboot is, that's what that is. It's like a road movie where the two main characters kind of go on the road or kind of meeting people along the way and take go, taking on this adventure to their inevitable end of whatever it is, goal they're trying to achieve, which of course in both movies it's trying to stop, you know, the... Um, a, a movie being made about their lives. Easy, Georgia. Let's say Arsheki. Come here, girl. Come here. Come there. Oh, and then you lay down where I can't reach you. You know it would be an atrocity of a director? Michael Bay. Oh my god. Explosion. <laughs> Goodness, dog. You know, I get enough attention. I don't think. I actually haven't seen too many movies that Michael Bay's done lately. I think he's kind of slowed down because. You know, because he got because like, he got destroyed over Transformers. Yeah. Well, and they're coming out with a new Transformers movie, but he's not going to be directing it. Now they're coming out with another Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Which that one's let's all bow our heads in disgust. <laughs> I what? saw the trailer to that movie, to Fast and Furious Nine. I don't understand why do they keep going to that well. Like, why are why do they keep, you know, with are I mean, they going to the moon on this one? I don't know. There is a rocket involved, a rocket car. <laughs> I, keep on he- I keep on hearing Fast it's, and the Furious to the moon. It's literally a rocket with a steering wheel. How fucking ridiculous is that? Nobody f- pilots 
anything with a steering wheel. You know, but it, that's what I'm saying. It's like the original movie was great because it was a heist movie. Mm-hmm. And that's what you that's what Fast and Furious is supposed to be. Souped up cars, heist movie, you know, hot rods, that kind of thing. And that's what the the movie was supposed to be about. And you know, but it's just gotten over the top more and more and more. And it's like, just go back to your original thing. If they did one movie, just one, where it was back to its original concept of being a heist movie, then that would that would probably get so much more results from from the audience, I think, than it turning into what the to me is like one of the worst franchises ever. I know I'm probably in the minority on that because if they if they keep pumping them out, it's because people keep going to go see the damn things. Yeah. That's why they keep making them, and they just keep like, well, we got to do something bigger and better than the last time, and that's the movie that Michael Bay should be making. It's just going well. It's already obnoxious. That was just about to be completely overly obnoxious. Well, they just keep coming up with these more elaborate stunts and explosions and you know vehicles that are just not even there's no way they could even exist you know and I just don't know why they keep doing it It, it's you know I guess they'll eventually be a 10 but like I said they should get Michael Bay to direct it then maybe they'll stop making them (laughs) surprised he isn't already doing it Mm. Because I mean, all the stuff that he normally would do is kind of in. It's already. in his wheelhouse. That's the kind of movie that's exactly what that Michael Bay would make. Because you know that's how he got started. Was you know he the very first thing he put on film was basically a Porsche going very fast down the highway. That was his first film that he made, and that's how he got the director seat for. I think it was The Rock mm-hmm. with um, um, Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. And his earlier movies are good because, but, but they're well balanced. They're well balanced in the action and the comedy and, and the, the writing and everything. Like The Rock is a great movie. Yeah, I can go back and watch it now and still think this is a good movie. But you know, and even the first Transformers movie uh, he, that he directed, I think, is a good movie. I, I like the Transformers movie. Again, it's a, to me a, a good movie is a, a movie that's well balanced in its action, in its writing, in in its. Um, pacing of how it, it, it moves from scene to scene and it doesn't really doesn't have too much of a lull or it doesn't go it doesn't go over the top the second movie did go over the top um, but then there's also but like I said the things that he did in the in the early 90s The Rock um, Bad Boys those are good movies because they're well balanced and well paced but then you know I think where he started to quote unquote jump the shark with his directing was the first one was Armageddon where it just the movie went on way too long, had too much CGI, too much explosions, too much, you know, peril that they put the the main characters in, and after a while you're just like, oh, I gotta pee. When is this movie gonna be over with? Because <laughs> you're like, okay, I know what's gonna happen at the end. They're gonna survive. The Earth is not gonna explode. Maybe it should have. <laughs> oh my goodness. Is there anything else you want to add? Um, I don't know. You asked me a question. I think I could add it. <laughs> That's <laughs> usually how this goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could ramble on about different things. <laughs> but I can't really add, like, again, I, I can't really add much more to, to, to James Bond. It's 
just to kind of recap, it's it's um, you know it's a it's a property that has its own history. It's it's one that is beloved by a lot of people. It's become part of the the modern cinematic um, experience and. It's uh, it's not going to go away, and it probably shouldn't go away because it's one of those movies that you're always going to like to watch, to, to, you know, to some degree. Um, especially based on just whatever they they create for it. All right. Well, I guess if there's nothing else, we'll. Call this episode finished. All right. Until next time. Lucky Land Slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.